Hello, this is Leslie Garfield-Tenzer, and this is Law to Fact. In this episode, I speak with Professor Oren Kerr of Berkeley Law about reading a legal opinion for law school. Welcome back after our summer hiatus. Today, we're discussing how to read a legal opinion for law school. Learning to read a legal opinion is really like a rite of passage for all law students, and of course essential to learning the law. I still remember back to the first few weeks of law school, struggling so, trying to figure out not just how to read a case, but also why was I reading cases to learn the law. It's just so different from any other type of learning I'd experienced. But fear not, dear listeners, because today we have an exceptional guest. Professor Oren Kerr shares highlights of his article, How to Read a Legal Opinion, A Guide for New Law Students. In this discussion, he walks us through the parts of a legal opinion, discusses the importance of focusing on reasoning and dissents, and even talks about what professors help you highlight when reading any case. You can read the article, and I strongly encourage that you do, by clicking on the link found in the notes of this podcast. Before we begin, whether you are just joining us or a seasoned listener, we would love it if you would rate us and review us on any platform on which you listen, and invite you to reach out with any questions you may have. You can reach us at Twitter at LawToFact or at LawToFact at gmail.com. As a reminder, all of our episodes are available at www.LawToFact.com. Listen for more details about that at the end of the broadcast. And for some keen insights on legal opinions, follow Professor Kerr at Oren Kerr. Now here's my discussion with Professor Kerr. All right, so I'd love to talk to you today about how to read a legal opinion, and I think that the best place to start on all of this, it's a great piece that appears in Green Bag, 11 Green Bag, Second 51, but the best place to start is maybe for you to explain why it's important for students to actually understand how to read a legal opinion. So this is one of those things we assume everyone knows how to do, but in the past, at least, we've never taught. Uh, so the, the basic currency of learning the law is reading legal opinions, and and it's a very specific kind of art. It's a very it's just there's a practice of how to write a legal opinion, how to read a legal opinion, and and I wrote that piece because it occurred to me that we don't actually teach that to students. The traditional way of learning law is a professor assigns uh, you the very first day of law school a couple legal opinions, and you have no idea what's going on. Right? You just mm-hmm. flailing about like, <laughs> what on earth is going on. Uh, and then the professor asks a million questions, and at the end you go, wow, I've got so much to learn. And uh, and over the first few weeks of law school, typically, students kind of figure it out just by virtue of, like, saying, wow, it's so weird. Every every judge, his first initial is J. It's so <laughs> weird. They're all like John or Joe. And then, and then, like, you know, at some point in November, one I'll say, oh, wait a minute, that means, like, judge or justice. And mm-hmm. it's one of those things that if if I thought – if we just explained that to students on day one, they would save so much time and it, they, could, they could really focus on learning law rather than just figuring out this weird practice. Mm-hmm. So, so I actually wrote a draft of this piece uh, for my 1Ls in criminal law around 2004 or 2003. It was very early in my teaching career. And it was, it was kind of addressed to me as a 1L who, who I remember you know, trying to figure this out. And, and, then, and then I used it for a couple of years with my 1Ls uh, and they found it helpful, so I decided to publish it in the green bag. This was back in 2007. And I think it's, it's my most read article, actually, from what I understand. <laughs> I don't believe that because you're pretty prolific, but I'll yeah, take well, it. <laughs> from what I understand, it's assigned, um, I, I'm very happy to say, to uh, a lot of uh, you know, 1L orientations, beginning mm-hmm. of the semester kind of stuff, just to help students get up to speed. 
Yeah, and, and actually I assign it to my students too, and it really does make a difference. And I, I would love to walk through the legal, um, the parts of the legal opinion, but I just want to touch on one other thing, and maybe this is a little early in our conversation, but why is it important to lead, I'm sorry, why is it important to read a legal opinion in terms of understanding law for law school? You know, a lot of students just kind of think they can pull off the canned brief or just get that. So just tell us a little bit about why reading a legal opinion and reading it critically will help you do better in law school. The reason is that in our legal system, the sources of law are the legal opinions that analyze the legal sources. So if you want to know what's the rule or what's the law, there's going to be an opinion on this. And sometimes there are rare cases or they come up certainly in practice a lot, but less often in law school where there is no case on an issue and you just have the raw statute. You kind of have to imagine what a judge would do in analyzing a problem. But for the most part, when we say like, well, what's the law here? That means closely analyze the legal decisions that are about this topic. And so the source of law is the case, the opinion, and you can't really understand the law unless you really have a deep understanding of what that opinion means and what it doesn't mean. And and classic 1L problem, and I had this same problem myself, is to see some sort of legal opinion and see a phrase in the opinion and say, oh, I now know the law because the court has said the rule is X and look, I saw it. And, you know, you don't realize in the beginning of law school, okay, wait a minute, this is like a trial court in Wyoming and they can't settle the law for everyone. And um, they said that, but actually look what they did. They applied Mm -hmm. the rule differently. Um, Or it turns out that's the rule, but it has all these exceptions, which the court also talks about. And so having a rich understanding of like, what is this practice, this social practice of legal opinions uh, and how, what lessons should you draw from them? It's just really critical to understanding what law is in the United States. And I think also, and, and how lawyers think and how to write a legal opinion, which is kind of how you're writing a law school exam, right? You're framing your law school exams as if they were legal opinions. And I think that it's a good modeling on top of everything else, in addition to everything that you just said. Yes. And, and my hope as well is that the article helps students think about what professors are doing in class. So a lot of it is, there's a section of the article that talks about, here's what you need to know in class. You know, right. Here's what professors care about. Here's why they care about it. Why do they use the case method? There's a lot of kind of, let's, let's take you behind the scenes of what law professors are thinking to help understand why this matters and what you can do in class to learn faster and, and think more about what your professor wants and how to do better in school. Yeah, and you talk about the fact that professors love the facts, and I think the professors do love to talk about the facts, and one of the things that I try to do with my students, and I'm sure you do too, is this get the sense of the difference between kind of the facts and the legally significant facts, and the importance of, you know, I like, there's a couple things, like every, every law, um, every case tells a story, right, and sometimes there's the interesting, sexy part of the story, and sometimes there's just the legally significant part that may or may not play into that whole story. And so it's really helpful, as you put in your article, why facts are important. And they're important to understand the reasons why the court ruled the way it did to see how we can decide it in future cases. So, um, I mean, to, as a professor, when you call on the student and they ask, they give you the facts from a case that they've briefed and they've read, when the facts go on too long and they talk about the minutiae, what do you do? How do you, how do you kind of steer the student in the right way on that? Yeah, so... That's a good question. It, it depends on the student. It depends on how far into the semester you are. I'm assuming we're talking about 1Ls that are yes. still sort of learning these skills. 
Uh, and in the beginning, I'll give them more room because they're still trying to figure this out. Um, but then later in the semester, I'll, I'll, you know, there'll be a little bit of a pause and I'll jump in with a question or I'll, I'll sort of you know, give some body language suggesting I'm about to say something, which hopefully will cause the student to stop for a second. And then I can jump in with you know, going back to some of the more legally relevant issues. And, and I hope that that can signal you know, a lot of what you're doing, especially when you're teaching 1Ls, is you're signaling what's important based on how you react to things. And so I think it's a skill you know, that all of us work on, uh, none of us are great at it, but it's also important of signaling to everyone in the room, hey, here's what really matters and here's what doesn't matter. And you try to do it through this question and answer with a student who um, is, you know, of course, doing their best and they want to do a great job and you have to be supportive and yet also send signals of, okay, that actually doesn't matter so much. Here's what the key of the opinion yeah. And but parsing out what matters and what does, doesn't matter is really helpful for law students because, again, you know, I, I, I'm not that exam focused when I teach, but I think it's important, particularly when we talk about it, is to recognize that all of the things that you point out, and particularly the facts, are all, gear, all geared toward honing your skill to be able to write a good exam at the end of the semester, which, is, um, which happens when you really understand how to use these cases that you're reading. Yeah, and I, 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 something I've, I've done in exams, you know, 1L exams, and um, um, many, many professors do, is have those stray facts that sort of call to mind certain doctrines, but actually, once you understand the legal issue, are completely irrelevant, right? right. So you're having this little teaser, like, jump over, jump over this cliff, and then some students will go, yay, I know that fact, and they'll jump over the cliff, and the other ones will go, wait a minute, that fact actually is not relevant, given this particular legal problem. And that's, you know, one, one thing professors are, are going to be doing. And, and I think having a sense of what facts are legally relevant at the outset is really helpful in, in making sure you don't jump off the cliff. Yeah. I literally had that discussion with a student today in exam review. Um, I want students to read this, but um, maybe since this is a podcast, could you go through some of the parts of the case that you talk about and highlight what students should and shouldn't focus on in those parts? Sure. So the beginning of the article, and I should say the article itself is only like 13 pages long. So it's, it's really, really short. A uh, nice big font in the green bag. So it's not, right. a, not a heavy lift. Uh, but the first part is just going through the parts of a legal opinion, you know, the case name, the caption, the citation, things that are just really sort of clarifying, like, what does that mean? Again, I remember as a 1L seeing the case citation and thinking, am I supposed to know this? Am, is this important to me that it's like, you know, 523 US, whatever, or is that irrelevant? And just letting people know that doesn't matter for you. Like that's just telling you what the court is. Maybe the year is going to matter if it's like a really old case versus a new case. Um, and then, you know, the fact section of, of the uh, opinion, usually then opinions will talk about the general legal principles in that area of law. And then usually they'll apply the law uh, and you know, what, what really matters and how you need to know the facts and how you need to know the application of the law. And so it's the first part of the article is really just taking the reader through what are the components of a legal opinion? What, and then, and then um, you know, later on, I go through the different words that you'll find in a legal opinion. This is another thing we should all remember from when we were 1Ls, like these very strange words that we just didn't know what they meant. And, and you know, when I was in law school, you'd look it up in Black's Law Dictionary. Now mm -hmm. you Google it. Google it. Um, right. Whatever way you're finding out what it is, just the need to get a sense of what these words are. And it's actually a pretty finite world of these odd words. You just need to learn them. And so you have this learning curve at the beginning where you figure out, you know, what an appellant is, what an appellee is. And 
um, you know, what a demure is or whatever these you know, <laughs> weird words are that you just sort of like when you're reading the cases as a one L in the beginning, you're like, I don't understand about a third of the, these words. Hopefully they're not important. Uh, and you pick those up quickly and you realize that they are pretty important to understand the case. And, and not to interrupt you, but you do need to look up those words. Students really need to look up those words and not count on coming to class to find out what they are, especially if you're the student who gets called on and we say, what is an appellant or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. You need, you need to look it up. And, and the, 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 the great part about it is since it is a, it's a finite, specific set of words, once you've looked it up, you know, there's like 100 of these words altogether, 150 that you're going to run into again and again and again. And so you just you make your list of them or you learn those words and you're done and, and you'll come across them for the rest of your career all the time. And so it's not like there's an infinite universe of these words that you need to keep looking up. It's just there's a lot of work at the beginning to, to learn that stuff. Right. Um, and so, the, so we went through the, um, the case citation. We went through learning the words. What about we talked a little bit about the facts. What, what about the majority opinion versus the concurring opinion versus the dissenting opinion? What do students, students need to take away from that? Yeah, so certainly they need to know the reasoning and the majority opinion. That's going to be the focus of a lot of the discussion. You know, what did the court say? How clearly did it say it? Uh, what is the basis of the court's reasoning? Is it based on, you know, a, a textual reading of the underlying source, whether it's the Constitution or a statute? Is it a policy argument as to why the court comes out the way it does? Is it an institutional argument about what courts can do or can't do? Um, is it a mix, which it often is? Um, just understanding the reasoning of that majority opinion, because that, that lets you know what a court is going to do the next time. And, you know, lower court is going to be applying that rule. What might they do? And Or if you're a law student taking an exam, you get the next set of facts. How would you apply the rule to that set of facts? You need to know the reasoning of the majority. Uh, and then the concurring opinions and dissenting opinions, and I talked in the article about what, what those are, mm-hmm. um, and, and about how a concurrence, you know, it, in, in dissents, how they're important mostly in law school because they bring out the alternate views of the law, different ways of thinking about a problem, and often professors are going to want to have discussions or debates about those different ways. So an, a, another sort of classic 1L Attitude is, well, I've gotten to law school and the law must now be settled. Everything must be resolved. Please tell me what the wisdom of the law has settled the law for hundreds of years. And of course, as professors, we know there's so much that's unsettled. There's so much that changes. There's so much that's actually uncertain in its basis that these debates about what the rules should be are incredibly important to understanding the law today and then understanding what the law might do tomorrow. So, when 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 professors have decided to include the concurrences and dissents, because of course they're not required to be in the version of the opinion that professors include in their casebook, usually that signals some important perspective that you need to be aware of because it's sort of framing the debate over that particular issue. And and again, so much of this article is like written to me as a 1L. I just didn't get that when I was a 1L. I thought, oh, let me get this straight. There's the rule of law. The meaning right. of the law. Right. And then there's what this wrong judge erroneously, and how do I know he was erroneous? Because he lost. Right. Uh, <laughs> the wisdom of the law was such that it pointed the other way. Well, who cares what this wrong judge thought? And so I would just completely ignore the dissents. And then the professors would be talking about the dissents. And I'd be like, I don't understand why they're talking about wrong law. We should be talking about right law. Uh, and so the point of that discussion in the article is to say, hey, you know, this actually matters. These are ongoing debates about 
what the law means and what it should mean. And you need to understand why different people could look at this differently and what perspectives and what underlying assumptions about the world they're bringing to bear in those opinions. And yesterday's dissent could be tomorrow's majority opinion, as we're, we're kind of seeing now too, right? Some, someone may be in the um, dissenting in 1974, and now all of a sudden it's, it's 2017, and we could see that shift. So it's kind of fun also, I think, for students to see the trend. And, but the bottom line is, as you point out, don't discount the dissent. It gives you a point of view that's alternative to the point of the majority. And again, and I keep coming back to exam writing, I think that also helps you kind of balance this idea of looking at something from two different ways. And the, the, one of the things I tell my students, I'd love to hear what your thought on that, is get out of your undergraduate head, that in law school, we're not asking you to memorize the law that really what we're asking you to do is apply the law. And so when we read these opinions, we're reading application of these rules to a set of facts, which I think is what you bring out so nicely from um, your article. What's the biggest mistake you think students do when they're reading these cases? And what, what's the biggest mistake they do about reading cases? I think the biggest mistake is looking for that one phrase that they think is sort of the law. And then they get the, the rule, like give me the rule from the mm -hmm. case mm -hmm. without appreciating the application and, and why the, the court's effort to articulate the rule, assuming they did articulate the rule, may not actually be the best understanding of the law because they may apply it in such a different way that you really need to understand the application, not the statement of the rule. Uh, and so I think it's just, it, it's the the you're a law student, you've just started, and you're sort of floating in this sea of uncertainty, and you see that one sentence in the opinion, and you go, aha, I found it. <laughs> it's like, it's like a, <laughs> right. you, they the tried treasure. <laughs> by putting the one line buried in the five pages, and you found it, and you don't need to pay any attention to the rest, because you found that line. And that, that's just not how it works. Uh, and, and this, again, is you know, sort of all very autobiographical. I, I, I came to law school from engineering graduate school. Oh, wow. And I was under the impression there had to be a right legal answer to pretty much everything. And I remember my first uh, week of law school in torts class, uh, I had a professor who assigned two opinions with the exact same facts that came out the opposite way. And, uh, and after the first class, I went up to him because I was totally confused and I asked him, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just I'm sorry I missed this, but which of these opinions was right? And he just smiled and walked away. Now, that's the typically unhelpful Harvard model right. of being a professor. Like, you've asked an incredibly important question. Here's a great learning moment. And I will not answer that question. I will let you suffer and try to figure this out. Um, but I, I kind of assumed there had to be a right answer and a wrong answer. And I just needed to figure out which was which. Right. And understanding that law is a human practice of people who got together and said, let's create a government and let's create some rules. Let's create courts and let's create opinions. And let's, and these are humans who are writing these things and, and the right answer, wrong answer way of thinking about this, which was absolutely the way to think about engineering and mathematics and physics is not the right way to understand law. You have to understand it as this human enterprise of people with certain values that, um, thought, here's the best answer for whatever set of values they're bringing. And, and you need to understand the world from their perspective and understand different perspectives to really understand what the law is doing.
And that's the best advice for any entering law student is to understand this idea of it's a human practice of decision making, because that's really what it is, because ultimately it's always the jury who gets to decide, at least at the trial level, what the right answer is based on a set of facts. So, so helpful. Wonderful. Um, what other advice would you give to 1Ls? So I, I think, especially fall 1Ls, you need to give yourself time to figure out what's going on. Uh, so this, you know, what, I, what I've told my own 1Ls when I've taught fall 1L classes is you, you have a few months and there's no exam until the first semester is completely over. And, and part of that semester should be the first few weeks where you're just trying to figure out what is going on. You're, you're going you're gonna to be lost and you're going to feel flailing about. And that is not only normal, that's sort of good because it shows that you're trying to learn this foreign language and you're, you're learning. And you, when you feel confused, that's because you're encountering something new. And that means that you're going to figure it out. And that, that's sort of a good thing. And then there's this sort of middle of the semester where you start to get it and you start to see how the pieces fit together. And then there's the, maybe the last third of the semester where, ah, now you're really sort of starting to focus and you have the tools and you can put it together for the, with the exam in mind. And, and I think a, a common mistake uh, fall 1Ls make is to assume day one, they're, they're focused on the exam or they're focused on, you know, I, I'll have, I've had students after the very first class meeting say, so on an exam, when I get this issue, and I'm like, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. We are like, we are learning to crawl and then we'll be doing walking and then we'll be doing jogging and then we'll be doing running. And if you want to know how to sprint, how to crawl was not actually something you really need to worry about. We're just picking up the skills. So understanding, I think, the first semester in particular as this process of learning how to think about law in addition to the subject area is, is something that I think is important for that first semester. Wonderful advice. That's wonderful advice. Anything else you want to impart to the students? Hang in there. <laughs> Many of us, we, we've all been there, I guess, is the, is, is the lesson. You know, um, every professor was a 1L once and was just as confused as, <laughs> as 1Ls are, and you just have to give it time and, and keep working on it. And, and I, guess, I, I guess related to that, you know, these days in particular, there are so many um, outlines and online resources that kind of give you the shortcuts. You're not really helping yourself, especially as a 1L, in relying a lot on those resources because what those resources are doing is they're sort of giving you a canned, easy version of what the writer of that outline thought was important. And that is problematic for two reasons. Is one is your professor might not look at the law that way and you're really not helping yourself by relying on this whoever it is who wrote this prior outline or, 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 or explanation. Uh, but second, so much of learning law is working with those primary sources, reading the original opinion and saying, okay, what, what's the lesson to draw from this? That you need to do that work yourself and you have that full semester to, to figure it out. So start, re, do, do the reading itself. There's a reason why we don't just assign commercial outlines or, or treatises to summarize the law. You got to it's worth your time in terms of your learning to start with the original sources and really work through them. I'm so glad you said that because students who use canned briefs are denying themselves the opportunity to learn to think like a lawyer, which is why your piece is so important because your piece, which appears in green bag, and I will put the link to it on my website, 
trains the student to read in a way that they need to read to assure success in law school. And that it's not, as you pointed out, this idea of memorizing a rule, but rather <laughs> understanding how to think better so that you can be a good law student. Well, thank you. Thank you. I really thank you very, very much for this. I appreciate it. Um, Happy to join you. So that's my discussion with Professor Oren Kerr of Berkeley Law. As I mentioned, all of our episodes are available at www.lawtofact.com. We cover specific substantive areas of law that help you understand the law for your law school experience. We also have podcasts on career advice and other topics that are essential to success in law school. Again, if you like us, please rate and review us. Thanks as always to www.bensound.com for the music and enjoy your day. 